there. Welcome to Girl Take the Lead, where each week we explore womanhood and leadership. And I'm your host, Yo Canny. And I think it is so easy to overdo. Maybe we do a few too many to-dos at work, and we think there's so little time. And maybe it's navigating family conflict, struggling with perhaps gift giving over the holidays, some financial strain, or commercialism out there, struggling with expectations that others have for us. And maybe there's some grief and loss. You know, somebody is gone who should be there for us during the holidays and we're filled with their memories. And maybe we're feeling disappointment Maybe 2023 wasn't your year. And then there's all these emotions like loneliness and depression, which can grab us. So we find ourselves using food or other substances to make us feel better. And when we throw the holidays on top of our tendency to overdo, no wonder we can find ourselves impatient in the Trader Joe's parking lot. I am very curious about overdoing and what that is all about and how can we be more mindful about our self-care when we're in that overdoing and looking at some pesky energy zappers (laughs) like people pleasing. And over this past year, we've covered a lot of these topics related to this because They can so get in the way of us leading others. We need to care for ourselves too. And we can find ourselves really stressed, especially around the holidays. So I thought it would be good to pull some of the different episodes together into one to serve as a reminder for our self-care. And let's break the overdoing cycle. What do you say? And to help us along, I'm calling in the big guns, those episodes that had Brene Brown, Terry Cole, Emily and Amelia Nagoski, Jay Shetty, Dr. Eileen Cohen, and my friends, Sheila, Tony, and Cindy. So hang on, we've got some badasses in the house. And I'll have links to all the episodes in the show notes if you'd like to hear more. Let's start by remembering the difference between overwhelm and stress, as defined by Brene Brown. And here's a clip from our episode with Sheila Whitescorn about this. So let's get started with stress and overwhelm. I'll start with stress. Um, Stress, the definition she gives us, is when we evaluate our environmental demand as beyond our ability to cope successfully. This includes elements of unpredictability, uncontrollability, and feeling overloaded. And she uses the example that when she was working in a restaurant, that stress is being in the weeds. What I saw there was when you're in stress, people can still help you. You know, she used the example of, can you you know, cover table 14 and tell the cook this, and, you know, she could still function. And Mm -hmm. 
I thought that was a pretty good example of stress. Whereas overwhelmed is being blown. And she gives that example about she literally can't function. And, you know, at the restaurant, everyone steps in and takes over, has her leave the restaurant and go take a break while they pick up all of the aspects of her job. It's um, being completely blown, she says, right? That it's, that there's just nothing left in the tank. <laughs> like what you said before too, Sheila, that so many times when we're working, we don't see our stress. We don't realize, right? We're just doing. Absolutely. I think that I recognize that in myself quite a bit now that I'm not working in the corporate setting, being at home. It, it really took me about a year to decompress. I, I really, I can't believe it was like I was on a hamster wheel. I didn't even know it, how stressed I really was. And, and kind of where that stress goes in our bodies, mm -hmm. you know, your neck, your shoulders, you know, cause we're holding so much. I know uh, for me too, uh, retiring in September of 21, I, I could feel like my body just began to, to lift. I would wake up in the morning, very joyful. <laughs> as opposed to dread <laughs> about, yes. about all the things I had to get done. And I think point is made too, that daily stress takes its toll, right? Ch chronic exposure to stressors can be detrimental to health, <laughs> both mentally and physically. And it's said here too, that you, it correlates to more rapid aging, decreased immune function, greater inflammatory processes, less sleep, and poor health behaviors. I think I could check yes to all of those at some point. You were pretty good about doing your walks. That Remember when you would do your walks yeah. every lunch? And I was somebody that definitely put off, you know, walking uh, and getting exercise while I was at work. And um, I really look back and think, why did I do that? It, I, I needed it. Tremendously. <laughs> Well, I think too, you know, like there were certain things that played havoc with my immune system. Like I had, um, got shingles at one point. Oh my gosh. I just was fatigued, kept pushing, 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 you know, to do more and, you know, wake up in the night with a clenched stomach. It was a lot of bad things I was, I was going through, but I just didn't have time for it. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, I had to keep moving. I had to keep going. Mm -hmm. I'm so glad that this younger generation can get more balance um, because I was not a good example of balance at all. Next, Tony Morris and I discussed the Nagoski sisters book, Burnout, the secret to unlocking the stress cycle. They said to identify the stressors. And here's what we said about that. The first point is that we have to differentiate stress from stressors. That was very interesting mm -hmm. to me because it all seemed like stress to me, right? Just like <laughs> yeah. one, yeah. we don't make the distinction so much as what is the stress and what is the stressor. For our listener, the stress, she makes the distinction that Stressors are what activate the stress response in the body, 
And stress is the neurological and physiological shift that happens in our body when we encounter one of these threats. And we see threats as anything, well, like she uses less tangible internal stressors, things like self-criticism, body image, identity, memories, and the future. And the past. And the past. Yeah. (laughs) That was pretty interesting, I thought, to kind of break it up. I, what I, I really found it interesting too. I think when, when we think about stressors and, and they, and she also refers to historical, like the fight, flight, or freeze um, in response to danger. The thing about what we live, the environment that we live in today is a lot of the stressors aren't recognizable. We don't even see them coming. We just feel the effects of them, right? And, and sometimes when we can um, recognize that something's there, um, we go in our heads and say, I don't have time for this, or I just have to toughen up, or um, we put it another stress on ourselves in responding to it. So it just, it builds even in just that initial phase, not just over time. And the, it's the building it's the hanging on to it. It's the part that we get stuck in. Yeah. Yeah. And that notion of being stuck, um, she said it so well. She said it, it, it kind of just stays in our body and ferments and just keeps <laughs> making us sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I went, ooh. So the point she made. So when we're stressed, we might think that there's not enough time. But is that really the case? Here's what we said about that. So it all comes down to time. So that's a very interesting thing, right? To take a look at the whole idea of time. And where does time, why is time such an important part of this and I started to link a couple things together I think it has to do with perfectionism yeah I started to see that and started to ask myself is it that I'm trying to be perfect and that's why I think I don't have enough time so I looked at Brene Brown again and thought now what does she have to say about perfectionism, what what that's about. So she did um, a TED Talk, included something about her take on what perfectionism is not. It's not striving for excellence. It's not about healthy achievement and growth. Perfectionism is a defensive move. She continues, it's not the self-protection we think it is. It's a 20 ton shield we lug around thinking it will protect us when in fact it's the very real thing preventing us from being seen. Perfectionism is not self-improvement. Perfectionism is at its core about trying to earn approval. Whoa, I had to think for a moment. Okay, so approval. Who, if I'm thinking and getting myself in a tizzy over something who do I think I'm trying to win the approval of 
is it my my family? Is it, you know, dead relatives <laughs> who kind of gave and passed along the DNA for how things like this happened? One aspect I can see contributing to overdoing is not wanting to disappoint anyone. Understanding people-pleasing was a topic I discussed with Dr. Eileen Cohen, author of the book, When It's Never About You. Here's what Dr. Eileen had to say about people-pleasing. You know, I know for me sometimes with people-pleasing, I'm like unaware that I'm actually doing it. Right. Right. It's very automatic. And I think, um, I mean, it starts pretty young. We all have this kind of, it's in us, innate focus on others are, you know, when we're, when we're born, we have this dependency on others. And depending on what environment we grow up in, we might have gotten the message that in order to survive or keep things, or think, you know, have everything be okay and manage these relationships you need to focus on the other people and what what you can do to kind of mitigate any kind of thing so this develops pretty early and then you kind of repeat that in other relationships and it could be so automatic without realizing that that's what you're doing because the goal for a people pleaser is what can i do to keep the peace to calm things down it's not about prioritizing yourself or what is, you know, your own goals. It's, it's all about everybody else. I mean, it depends. There's degrees. I think um, you can still have a certain level of self and goals and priorities, but if somebody else is upset enough or, or loud enough, their, their needs or whatever they want might be more important to you than your own in those right. moments. We're born with this desire for individuality and togetherness. So we have that. But with pleasers, they lean more towards too much togetherness. You know, their behaviors are based on what can I do to make this relationship that they put it all on themselves? What can I do to fit in with what my family thinks is best or what my best friend wants, where she wants to go for dinner or, you know, they'll let me not rock the boat where other people might lean towards more individual, which might look like rebellious or um, going against the grain just because your family thinks a certain way or your friend. Um, but really selfful living is about balancing that. How can I still be my individual person, but also be part of a group um, without giving that up, um, which can be, as you said, so automatic, especially in times of tension or stress. Right, so that balance then is about maybe exercising kindness, giving, but not losing yourself in the process. You know, that's, that's where it gets a little tricky, I think, for people, because you can always say, oh, I'm being so kind, you know, being so giving. But what you're, I think, um, kind of challenging us to do is to look at what's behind it. So how can we love ourselves more once we see the cycles we're in? Terry Cole reminds us we have the rights to set boundaries. 
And here's what she said in her Boundary Boss book. There's a bill of rights. You have the right to say no or yes to others without feeling guilty. You have the right to make mistakes, to course correct, or change your mind. You have the right to negotiate for your preferences, desires, and needs. You have the right to express and honor all your feelings if you choose. You have the right to voice your opinion even if others disagree. You have the right to be treated with respect, consideration, and care. You have the right to determine who has the privilege of being in your life. You have the right to communicate your boundaries, limits, and deal breakers. You have the right to prioritize your self-care without feeling selfish. And you have the right to talk true, be seen, and live free. Mm. And Jay Shetty, in his book, Think Like a Monk, helps us to remember to stay present. Oh boy. And he says, it can be hard to know what to tell your monkey mind when it's dwelling on the past or spinning into the future. Father Richard Rohr writes, quote, All spiritual teaching, this is not an oversimplification, is about how to be present in the moment. But the problem is, we're almost always somewhere else, reliving the past or worrying about the future. And then he goes on to say, When your mind continually returns to thoughts of the past or the future, Look for clues in the present. Is your mind seeking to shield or distract you? Instead of thinking about what mattered in the past or what the future might hold, gently guide your mind back to the moment. Ask questions about right now. What is missing from this moment? What is unpleasant about today? What would I like to change? Ideally, when we talk to ourselves about the present, we look back on the negative and positive elements of the past as the imperfect road that brought us to where we are, a life that we accept and from which we can still grow. And ideally, we also think of the future in context of the present an opportunity to realize the promise of today. Oh boy, that was juicy. <laughs> and my friend Cindy reminds us to breathe and be mindful and that we need to practice, practice, practice. Here's the exercise I did with her. And maybe it could come in handy for you as well. Here you go. So let's do a little practice. It'll yes. be short and sweet. Yes. And I'm going to invite you to press your feet down, wherever you are, press your feet down and lift the crown of your head 
and close your eyes really gently, or you can just cast them down if closing them doesn't work. And simply start to breathe a little bit. Just your natural breath. Come right here in the moment. Let go of the fact that we're even on a podcast. Start with relaxing your body. Let your face melt, your eyes melt. Let your shoulders drop down. Just noticing your inhaling, your exhaling, whole body breathing. Nothing else to do. The sensation of breath. Spring that life force energy right into the body. Strong back, soft front. You might want to sense into a situation where you have a tendency to have imposter syndrome show up. It could be a situation like yesterday. It could be another situation. You might want to notice the emotions that come up. Maybe there's some anxiety or fear or this lack of belonging in a situation, lack of capabilities. Just sense into that. You might notice certain tightness in your chest or your belly or your stomach. You don't have to do anything about it. Just sense it. And with the breath underpinning everything in your consciousness right now, just simply ask yourself, is it true? Is that really true? What are the facts? What has been your journey, the experiences that have gotten you right to this place? Can you absolutely know that it's true? Is there any evidence? Just let those questions resonate with you a little bit. And now tapping back into your breath, to your body. If anything's tensed up, see if you can relax the shoulders, the neck. You can even move your neck a little bit. Keep those feet pressed down. Imagine a string attached to your heart right at the middle of your chest that expands and softens your heart at the same time your spine is long and strong. And maybe bring a significant accomplishment now into your mind's eye. Yeah, who better to do this than you with your skills, with your credentials, with your heart? Just notice the difference between those two thoughts. Where might you be without the first thoughts or feelings of insufficiency? And where would you be when you tap into that sense of, I am enough. I am accomplished. I got this. I know all I need to. I am all I need to be. And so just take about three to five breaths, just letting that resonate. Coming back to the breath, the body, the present. 
And when you're ready, you can simply come back to right now. Let your eyes open. So nice. And on that note, we'll end today's episode. And I hope that there was some tips or some gentle reminders of how we can be mindful during the holidays. Thank you for being here. And next week, I'll have some thoughts for your book gift list for yourself or others based on authors that we've seen on the show and books we've covered. So please join us again. Talk to you soon. Bye.